Hello and welcome to AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. I'm your host, John S. Today I'll be speaking with Pat N. from Olympia, Washington. Pat will be a keynote speaker at the We Agnostics, Atheists, and Freethinkers International AA Convention to be held in Austin, Texas this year. I hope you enjoy the program, the conversation with Pat, and we both hope to see you in Austin this November. Hey, Pat. Uh, thank you very much for agreeing to speak with me today on our podcast. My pleasure. Um, I'm so sorry I didn't get a chance to meet you. I wanted so badly to go to the conference in Olympia that you had last year. Uh-huh. Um, I hear that that went pretty well. Yeah, it did. Roger was well, out there you know, for people. For a bunch of amateurs first time out, we were satisfied with it. There are a lot of things we'd do different. <laughs> yeah. If- um, well, I thought what, what we might want to do, Pat, um, just... Just as a way of getting to know you, would you like to tell us a little bit about your story, about what got you into AA and what's going on with you today? Sure. Um, oh, gee, where to start? Uh, I was born in Helena, Montana, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, in 1934, um, a few months after. Um, I can't remember exactly whether it was a few months after uh, Bill got sober or a few months after he met Dr. Bob. But anyhow, they were getting ready for me. Um and my parents had apparently been drinking alcoholically during the 20s. That's my understanding, when there was no AA. But they'd stopped drinking somehow. I don't know. So I grew up in a house where people didn't drink. It was not pro prohibition-oriented, but mm-hmm. they just didn't drink mm-hmm. until my mom's later years when she, I think, relapsed. Uh, anyhow, uh, when I was 16, I was working. Uh, I grew up in Washington, D.C., actually. Hmm. But I went back, and I uh, was working in Montana in the summer of 1950, I think, and um, got drunk for the first time. And it was an interesting experience because for the first time in my young life, I really felt relaxed. Mm-hmm. I felt like an okay person. I felt like a member of society. There was, there was a hole I didn't know I had in my soul that alcohol filled. So even though I got sick as a dog, I certainly wanted to do it again, and I I continued to do so. And it wasn't a a major problem for a few years, but when I was eventually employable and had a profession and could afford to drink, when I could, I I drank pretty steadily. Uh, Many, many times, of course, I I got drunk, and uh, blackouts came fairly early. But anyhow, by the time... um, I had a mortgage and a wife and three kids. Uh, I was really in a lot of trouble. Um, I was doing a really poor job of my of my job. Uh, my marriage was a shambles, and I was really neglecting my kids. Uh, they were teenagers by then, and I simply was not meeting their needs. So I, you know, I had all the all the shame and guilt stuff that that goes with the disorder, and uh, I was just stumbling along and not doing very well, but I knew I was in trouble and I knew what the problem was, Uh, but I couldn't seem to do anything about it. Tried, you know, swore off daily and drank daily. So it's not really a very unique story. Uh, Most of my problems were kind of minor. Back in those days, uh, at least where I was, uh, they didn't enforce DWI laws. And I talked my way out of those kinds of scrapes a couple of times that I remember um anyhow eventually i went to see a friend of mine who i was a counselor by trade of all things and i went to see a friend of mine who was a counselor who had a private practice and the second time i met with her she said i can't help you as long as you've got a bottle under the seat of your truck mm-hmm. and uh but i watched talk to my husband who i knew was in aa and he took me to my first meeting and uh the way i think of it the biggest the first really big event in my life was discovering alcohol, and the next really biggest event was that first AA meeting, because uh, these were folks of all ages and genders and backgrounds and experiences, but they were telling my story in so many words. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew that I was where I belonged, and I, I said at that meeting, I said I was an alcoholic. Well, I spent some period of time, a few months, I think, but I don't really remember uh, going to meetings and not drinking for a while, and then I'd feel cured or I'd feel sorry for myself or whatever, and so I'd drink again, and then I'd get you know in and out, in and out, that sort of thing for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, finally, uh, in February of 1980, I uh, slid off the road. It was an icy night, and I had never lost control of a vehicle in my life. 
uh, even when I was driving drunk all those hundreds of miles. And um, for some reason, that was my bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I threw the bottle out of the truck, and or the car, I guess it was, and called my best friend, who was a Pentecostal Christian, interestingly enough, who didn't drink. Mm-hmm. And he came and kind of rescued me, and I got through the night and uh, started going back to AA, and I haven't had a drink since. So that that's the short form. Okay. And so how did you, um, so you were going to traditional AA when you first started out? Yes, that's all there was. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was in a, a small city in Washington called Yakima. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were quite a number of meetings, but they, they were all traditional meetings. Right. And uh, so they all read how it works, mm-hmm. and they all ended with the Lord's Prayer and so forth. But the overall atmosphere to my thinking, was entirely different than it is now from the regular meetings that I've attended. Right. Um, you know, everybody kind of said, yeah, these are the 12 steps, this is what you have to do, and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. I was never really comfortable with them, but um, that's the, that's what the people were doing, and it's the people I wanted. Right. It's, it's the people who got me sober, and uh, I think I, I'd wanted to be a, a member of the human race for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I had a chance. Right. And um, it, w- it was hard because, um, you know, the thing I know about folks getting sober is that here you are, your mind's getting clear, and you have to face the fruits of all the stuff you've been doing for the last few years. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I, I had an awful lot of uh, issues to deal with, and I couldn't drink to get away from them. So it was a struggle. But the people were there. Yeah. The people were there. <clears throat> That's the toughest part about the early part of recovery is that all the crap from our drinking still has to play out for a while. And, yeah. and then oh, gosh, people in early recovery are my heroes. Mm-hmm. Because I was being heroic, frankly. I think anybody in early recovery is. Yeah. Now it's just, you know, it's cinchy now to not, to not drink. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we were talking in our meeting today um, that, you know, we, there are some fairly new new people to AA anyway, new to sobriety. And that's uh-huh. the toughest part is that you got all these problems from your drinking oh, yeah. and you just want to shut your mind off so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> and alcohol is a great way to kind of numb your mind. Yeah, it's like basic training, you know. You you think you're going to die any minute. They say, just keep your head down and keep doing it. You'll be okay. And you, indeed, eventually, if you don't drink, you are okay. Mm-hmm. But it was the people in the meetings that um, you were connecting with. Absolutely. Um and I got a home group pretty fast. Um, I never had a sponsor. I asked a couple of guys, and it was interesting because both of them, the fellow who took me to my first meeting and also a priest who was a member of my home group, I asked them to be my sponsor. And each one of them said, I won't be your sponsor, but I'll be your friend. Yeah. And I did not understand that at the time. I, I think I understand it now. Yeah. But in any event, I never had a formal sponsor. I... There was another newcomer, and we were we had totally different backgrounds. He'd killed people on one thing or another. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were both dead serious back and sober, and we just kind of hung out together and clung together and tried to figure out how to stay sober, and uh, somehow the the days and the months began to accumulate. And was it, did you say it was 1980 when you were starting out? Yeah, yeah, that, uh, right. Okay. And um, how long were you uh, going to meetings in that? In the, this is a small small town area in Washington State. Is- well, a couple a couple of years later, maybe three or nah, two years later, my uh, my marriage had ended mm-hmm. of cirrhosis of the relationship, mm-hmm. and um, my former wife was was not an alcoholic, and and she'd done her very best to hold things together, but we're just really, really ill-matched. Mm-hmm. And um, I fell in love with someone else uh, who is in the room as we speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, we moved over to the other side of the mountains, over to Olympia, Washington. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was still no secular AA. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of it. But I don't know, I may be getting too long-witted about this. Mm-hmm. Cut me off when you no, need to. you're fine. Okay, I have a brother, I had a brother two years older who was in sobriety at that time. As a matter of fact, he, he just died in July with 50 years. Oh. Um, 
and I, I he lived in L.A., and I used to talk to him on the phone. He was the closest thing to a sponsor I had, and um, he belonged to the We Ags group in Hollywood. Oh, okay. You know, as which, as you know, was one of the first. And yeah. a matter of fact, um, Charlie, uh, what's his name? Charlie P. Polachek. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Polachek was his. Uh, I think was his sponsor, but uh, at least they knew each other quite well. Well, so he told me about this approach to. AA, and I kind of, I like that, because mm-hmm. I think it was the God, I, well, let me back up another here. Mm-hmm. I had 16 years of Catholic education, mm-hmm. and at one time I was a Presbyterian elder. Okay. So it's not that I, I had no background in religion or in Christianity, mm-hmm. but by this point in my life, I just really wasn't believing things like that anymore. And I could not buy the God part of um, the 12 steps and so forth. Okay. And, yeah. and so when he told me about this We Ags group, I thought, oh, that that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And one day at a meeting, I looked across the circle at, during the Lord's Prayer, which I never said at that point. I saw this other gal, Judy, and she wasn't saying it either. <laughs> so after the meeting, we got together and I said, you know, we need to have our own meeting. And I told her about Dick's group in, in L.A., and said, let's do it. So we did it. And that's oh. how the group got started here. Wasn't that interesting? When when was that? I, I wanted to add that my wife, who is my present wife, who is not alcoholic, uh-huh. but is and, and is not active in Al-Anon, but is totally Al-Anon in philosophy, uh, used to go with me some of those early meetings, and we'd be the only ones sitting there. Huh. But eventually it grew and prospered, and it's doing well now. So how long ago was that that you all started? I, I'm i not sure. I think it was 23, 25 years ago. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so it's been around a while. And then um, one of the fellows who was quite active in it really liked noon meetings better, so he got three noon meetings started locally Okay. at, at a restaurant. And then a couple, three years ago, some of us started a... Um, we were kind of interested in um, Life Ring. Are you uh-huh. familiar with that? Yeah, I am. With their approach, and we said, well, there's no reason that an AA meeting couldn't choose to use that format. Correct. And so we started another evening meeting, and uh, we know, we are not a life ring meeting, and we sure. don't really follow that format closely, but it is more like a just a bunch of folks sitting around the fire talking. Yeah, how, how does that so, work? Any, anyhow, the, a lot of secular meetings have, have developed because of that. The, that approach, I think I know what you're talking about, because I know of another um, agnostic group in Omaha that does that. And basically, oh, really? Yeah. Is it where you um, everybody goes around, they touch base about where where they are for that week? Is that is that how it works? Yeah, okay. yeah right, exactly. Yeah. And, and, of course, it just evolves into a general discussion, and there's just, you know, Six to eight of us who attend with any regularity, and uh, we know each other pretty well. Mm-hmm. But uh, we do get, we're kind of lucky because we're close to the uh, one of the state's work release programs for prisoners, mm-hmm. and uh, they're allowed to walk to our meeting, and so we do get some of those folks. Oh, good. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that that, that had been around for so long. Um, and also, yeah. I was kind of curious because when you started in 80, um, was was AA different in 1980 as opposed to now as far as being less dynamic? I think so. I think so. I, um, I was still going, of course, to regular AA meetings, and I still have to some extent over the years. I only go to two meetings a week now with any mm-hmm. regularity, both secular. Mm-hmm. But once in a while, particularly if I'm out of town, I'll, I'll go to a regular meeting. And my overall perception and what I hear other people saying is that it's generally gotten much more religious. Yeah. So I that's what I hear. I don't know. But it, I don't remember it being that way when I first got sober. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I mentioned, one of the members of my home group was a priest. One of the others was a nun who happened to be his cousin. <laughs> Anyhow... I don't remember them ever talking about religion. Right. They certainly talked about their spiritual lives and what what was going right and what was going wrong. But um, yeah, I think it changed. Know, a little even bit. they weren't overtly religious. I didn't feel. Yeah, I had the same experience. Although I came in much later than you, I came in in 1988, 
And it would uh-huh. be very, very rare for anybody to ever talk about their specific religious beliefs or anything. You might hear uh-huh. people suggesting prayer and, and, and that kind and that sort of uh-huh. thing. But yeah, um it wasn't it wasn't as um I didn't I, I was okay there. I mean I just kinda went with it. I was kinda like you in that I was desperate enough I wanted to stop drinking that I, I was I, I didn't care. I would I would I just figured all oh, this stuff might help me. I just go along and do it. Oh yeah. But it did what? change over time a little bit, mm-hmm. and I changed too. Maybe that's what I changed. Probably. More yeah, I, I can't sort that out. I don't care. Whatever works works. But um, I'm I'm very concerned about the people who come into AA looking for help, but because of their own histories and their own beliefs, are just turned off immediately by the God stuff. Yeah. And that's as far as I'm concerned. All of AA is wrapped up in the preamble. Yep. And every, everything else is superfluous. Yep. You know, and if it helps somebody, that's great. They should use it. But it shouldn't be set up as a requirement, not yep. in my book. I agree with that. So do you guys get a lot of um, uh, newcomers at, at your meetings, people that, are, haven't, that wouldn't go to AA otherwise? Uh, we see, well, what we usually get, my, we get probably 20 to 30 people a week now. Okay. At our sun, Sunday morning, we ags group, mm-hmm. and um, there's a, a pretty solid core of old timers and people who have been around that group for a while. Uh, we get a lot of people who come in just because um, you know they've got to get their slip signed mm-hmm. or they're checking out AA, and this is one of the meetings that they're checking out. And many of them do stick around, or at least they say this: "This is what I've been looking for." Yeah, and a lot of the people who are old timer, well, I'm called old timers, but uh, a lot of the people who've been around for a number of years in that group uh, don't go to other meetings, or they say this is this is my home group, this is where I feel comfortable. Yeah, and and sometimes somebody there for their first meeting and say, yeah, boy, I'm going to be back. You <laughs> know that I re- they they like that atmosphere because we don't we don't reject religion, we don't. Um, it, it's not a religion bashing right. uh, group. Uh, we do talk a lot about spirituality. It just works out that way. Right. And but it's so not judgmental. We we have people come in who want to talk about their religious views, and that's accepted too. Sure. You know that's their path. Absolutely. At the when we were first getting going, uh, one of the people who came regularly was a retired minister from another town. And um, one of the others used to always have to leave early. We meet on Sunday mornings, and he had to leave early to sing in the choir. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, whatever. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, that's the way. That's the way it should be. That's what we try to do too. But I think twenty to thirty yeah. people is a huge meeting. I I'd like to see ours get get like that someday. We have probably. 15 is our normal um, size meeting, and then uh-huh. um, sometimes we get up to 20. Yeah. But rarely ever well, it, over it, that. It varies, and we'll have a slack day now and again, but I'd say pretty consistently it's 20 to 30. We're a, uh, a pretty urbanized area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, you were asking about how things are out here. Um, there aren't that many secular meetings. There's supposed to be three in Seattle. I think there's there's one that's active that I've been to, mm-hmm. and another one which was just kind of weird because the way it was being run, mm-hmm. uh, and there were only three other people there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that's about it. Oh, a new one has just started in Burien, Washington, right. which is near near Seattle, yep. and another one has started in Gig Harbor, oh. uh, which is just up the road from us here. Oh. So that that's and there's one over on the other edge of the state in Spokane. Okay. But those are the only ones I'm aware of. Okay. Yeah. And of course, Tom, Tom B is doing a tremendous job down in Oregon and there, there are a lot of meetings down there now. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds pretty amazing what he did over there. You know, he just moved to Illinois now. Did he? Yep. I didn't even know that. Yep. He's living in Illinois now doing pretty good over there. In fact, right now I, I think he's probably on the road right now taking a little uh, trip across the country down to Mississippi but, oh, yeah. oh I, I thought he was still in Portland or down yeah. that area. I didn't moved. realize that. And I saw him. He was in Kansas City a couple weeks ago. We had a little. We had our anniversary party here for our group. Yeah, I'd like to have come to that. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Roger came down and he gave actually the same talk 
for uh, us that he gave in Olympia because I thought that talk in Olympia was superb that he did there. And, which, which one? Well, he didn't he give the talk about the history of secularism in AA? Oh, yeah. 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 And I thought he just yeah. did a fantastic job with that. That was, that was excellent. Yeah. yeah. So I asked him if he'd come down and do the same thing for, for us, and he did. And, and uh-huh. people loved it. We actually had people at that meeting that um, just go to traditional AA who have never, ever even heard of an agnostic AA meeting before because we send invitations hmm. out to the whole AA community. And oh, every boy. single person loved it. Every single person found it interesting and fascinating. And Oh, yeah. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've, I heard him here, and, um, oh, well, I guess I still have a CD of it. And uh, it seems to me he published, he, I don't know if he published it, or he, he's done so many things like that when he was doing uh, AA Agnostica. Yeah, he published that, yeah. and then um, he made a few minor changes to the to, to it when he came to Kansas City. And now mm-hmm. he's going to write, um, he's going to rewrite the whole history of um, Agnostic AA because he wants to, I guess, update it and everything. So that's, that's kind of neat. Yeah. Well, exciting to be involved in all this and to see how it's taking off because I, 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 I think I'm a little bit maybe fanatical on the subject, but I, I ran into a situation a few years ago with a, a young woman, junkie as it happened, mm-hmm. who walked into a, sec, or a non-secular meeting I was at and... Uh, as soon as they were through with the introduction and the how it works and probably the third step prayer and Lord knows what else, uh, she she says, is this some sort of religion? <laughs> and I thought, oh, nuts, we've lost this one. Yeah. But, 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 but at the end of the meeting, the one other woman who was there grabbed her and they went outside for a smoke and we're having a long mm-hmm. conversation. I thought, ah, it's probably going to be okay. Good. You know, because there's the human touch. Yeah, yeah. But I, any, anyhow, I'm so conscious of that that we, we've got to do it because there's, there's hurting people out there who just don't want the religion. No, you're right. Um, you're absolutely right. And I think that I think that we're we're going to make a change overall to the overall culture of AA. It's it's, it's, yes. it's I think it's already kind of changing a little bit. People are realizing that maybe we've gone a little bit too far, uh, a little bit a little oh. bit too rigid, and 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 and, and all that. Well, it's interesting to me. We started, uh, we didn't know what to do about the Lord's Prayer, except we didn't want it. Uh-huh. And so we decided to use the um, commitment, whatever you want to call it, the commitment or the statement of principle, you know, the when right. anyone, anywhere thing. And so we did that. And now I notice it's, I, so I do go to the occasional non-secular uh-huh. meeting around here, and by golly, they're using it too. That's good. The, not around the here. The Lord's Prayer is dying out of here anyhow. At not least in not my here world. it's not. It's not at all here. It's still... Well, it's a lot tougher in the Midwest and the South than it is out here. Yeah, I would you know, say this isn't, this isn't called the left coast for nothing. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. People, I think it's more that it's just kind of traditional for people to, to say it, and they're not really thinking about it. Yeah, you know, and and they, I don't know, but yeah, I'm I'm getting pretty tired of the Lord's Prayer. But more than anything, it's I'm kind of like you too about thinking about the the new people come in, especially people uh, in their 30s or 20s who, uh-huh. I mean, they're they're much different um, than they were when I was coming into the program. They have more information. They they have uh-huh. they have a different language um, that they communicate. Um, their their recovery you know it's just a different thing and and i think like that one woman they're going to look at the the stuff that's happening in the meetings and they're going to think it's a little bit bizarre whereas i don't know for mm-hmm. whatever reason i just kind of I, I went with it but uh-huh anyway well yeah and, and, well we didn't really have any choice at we that didn't. time no it's true too we didn't and, yeah and maybe we weren't we weren't quite as confident or well informed and didn't know that we could just walk out but but there was nothing to walk out to it would have been, you know, and there's not only secular AA, but there are all these other secular alternatives now. And true, but, but the thing is, where AA is around, there's always AA available, and that's why I think it's more important to to, to try to change AA than to to just stimulate uh, things like life ring and smart recovery and so forth. That that they're great, but but they're just so scarce. I agree with that. I I um I see AA as having a an amazing infrastructure of service that has been built up over 80 years. Yeah. Um, I happen it's to not be going away. It's not going away. I happen to be answering the phone this week for our central office after hours. So, uh-huh. that, so 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 
people yeah. around people around here if they if they're having a crisis in their life related to alcoholism, they can call and someone will answer the phone and talk to them. And that's mm-hmm. just incredible to have that resource. Yes. And to have all these different groups all over the country. So I think it's definitely worth um, yeah. staying in and, and preserving and saving and changing, uh-huh. <laughs> changing I guess. Saving now. Uh-huh. Well, you never know. I hope it makes it's, – it's helping keep me sober anyhow. Yeah. I was going to yeah. ask you, Pat, about about the experience of the um, of starting that conference in, in Olympia. Um, sure. Because I'm kind of interested in doing something in the Midwest like that. Oh, that'd be great. How did how did that come yeah. about? What did you run into when you were doing that? Right, um, I'm. We're going to do a. Hopefully, there's going to be a panel at uh, in Austin on that. Um, you know, uh, Jerry F from um, Phoenix, and some other folks put one on down there yeah. uh, in last November, and then we put ours on in February. And I would really like to see regional. Get yep. together, you know, maybe in the alternate year when there's not being a, an international convention. Anyhow, um, <clears throat> a couple of us, uh, I guess three of us from my home group got to go to the one in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. And of course, just loved, loved the experience and just got talking about it. And some folks who hadn't gotten to go also talking about it and just said, you know, why can't we do something like that? Not just a local meeting, but sort of a regional kind of have it local, but mm-hmm. make it regional and encourage people to come. Mm-hmm. So that was the genesis of it, and uh, it turned out there were four of us who wound up doing most of the work because we were all retired and we could meet during the days and we mm-hmm. didn't have jobs to go. And uh, so we just took whatever experience we'd had in other kinds of groups and and put it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have a handout on it uh, in Austin some of the things we learned and some of the mistakes we made and some of our recommendations. Uh, but it's entirely feasible. Um, yeah, I'll definitely attend that panel because I'm, I'm, I'm real interested in that. Um, oh, good. So you had like, well, think, a, was it a one-day conference is what, how you did it? Yeah, that, that's one decision we made was that um, since we're, we were just appearing in the eight, we kind of thought, well, folks who can drive go to the thing and then go home mm-hmm. it cuts down on the expense so much mm-hmm. for the individual true plus as a committee we wouldn't have to make all kinds of arrangements with hotels and things like that right uh, as it turned out we had about i can't remember now was it 78 i think there were 78 to 90 people there pretty good and and i think 12 of them stayed the, uh in town the night before mm-hmm uh, there was a hotel just a couple blocks from where we met, mm-hmm. and they did give a, a little discount. So um, a bunch of people, maybe a dozen people, stayed there, uh, and uh, three or four stayed over Saturday the uh, the same night too, the night that we ended. Mm-hmm. But the bulk just drove in for the day, mm-hmm. and and we just figured it would, we weren't trying to get people from all over. Although it turned out we did. We had somebody from California and. There's one speaker from England, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and so forth. But uh, it was mostly local. Yeah. So, um, and what? Ha- I'm, I'm sorry. But, uh, excuse me. It's regional, not. I don't mean local, local around regional. Olympia so much. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, wh- what did you do there? Did, did you have like they're doing in Austin, where you had panels and workshops and speakers? Yeah, we. Um, we had mostly large one large group kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really only split up once. That makes sense. Yeah. And, well, yeah, but I think I think it might have been more interesting if we'd had more variety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was one of the recommendations we got from people who attended. Yeah, it was good. We had a lot of great speakers. You know, Roger was there, mm-hmm. and um, so a lot of it was very good. And, and it's mostly the experience of. Meeting similar people, absolutely, and knowing that you're not alone, yeah, and and get, getting ideas or motivation, yeah, uh, that that's what it was about as far as we were concerned. Was to number one, let's get together because it's fun, and number two, maybe people will be encouraged to start groups of their own at home. Absolutely, that's what I think is the best thing about these conventions. And, that's that. Um, when I went to Santa Monica, I, we had already started our group in Kansas City, but it hadn't been going for very long. I was still pretty uh-huh. new to all of this, so yeah. um, I was pretty I was pretty um, 
I don't know. It was a very uh, moving experience for me to go to Santa Monica and to meet all these oh, other yeah. people like me and that were interested in AA and interested in starting meetings. And um, yeah, it was pretty pretty life changing, I think, to a certain extent. But you know what? All the, there were a lot of meetings that started after that conference too. Uh huh. Oh yeah, it was a real kickstart. I think Pam and Dorothy did a great job, and they. I thought the that they had a very good array of activities, you know, and panels and things like that. We didn't do so much of that as it turned out. It was more, and and partly we felt time constraints because we knew people had to drive home. Right. And um, right. So I think if, if it we were, were over, for a two day thing, it might have been a little different. But then we would have lost people who couldn't come for two days. So yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. just the local committee has to decide. Well, what what do we think would work in our situation? And yeah, yeah, I think that if we did one here, we would we would probably start with just a one day convention. Um, I'm, uh-huh. think, I'm thinking that we would probably try to rent the facilities at our church again, like we did for Rogers thing, because that worked out pretty well. Uh huh. Um, and it was not that expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't charge anybody for that little thing because it was our anniversary. But you did you sell tickets for Olympia? For yeah, we we charged, um, and I can't remember what we charged. I think it was twenty five dollars. Okay. Um, we did not have we did not have scholarships. We just didn't want to get into the nah. all the issues that brings up. Uh, there was one woman who simply couldn't eat what we had for lunch, and we uh-huh. gave her a little break on the price. Yeah. Um, and we we actually wound up with a surplus to uh-huh. three hundred dollars. Okay. Um, and what we've done with that is that. Our home group, We Ags, mm-hmm. uh, has put that in their treasury uh, as a special, you know, sub account. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that because a lot of people are in doing it again, maybe. Yeah, I was years. hoping that you would. And that'll give them a little grub stick to get started. Uh, and if nobody does it, then we'll just put it into general service and distribute sure. it to other levels. Sure. Yeah, I would like to have our Midwest one to be done like, um, I don't know, annually or whatever, because um, I'm thinking it would just be, um, it will start off kind of small and probably would just be, consist of people from the Midwest, like Missouri, Nebraska, Iowa. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, people can get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, you have a pretty big concentration of uh, people there. Yeah. Yep, we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, good... I think it would be very successful. I'd really encourage you to do that. Yep. And we would probably have to um, charge to. Um, anyway, it's kind of interesting. I well, like, well, there I, are costs. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, they're very. Yeah, we held ours at a church also. It, it's a um, very liberal church uh, that already houses a, <clears throat> a few twelve-step uh, type meetings and a homeless yeah. shelter and whatever. Um, and we said, well, what would you charge? Because we were looking at other venues that were going to cost us hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm. of dollars. And they said, "Oh, whatever. Why don't you, why don't you? If you have any surplus, why don't you split it with us? And if mm-hmm. you don't have any surplus, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know." So that was their attitude, and mm-hmm. I, I think for the liberal churches like this one or uh, the Unitarians are, are apt to do that kind of thing. Yep, yep. And I tell you, the the church that they had it at in Santa Monica that was a really really nice facility. That, that oh, was, that was that, lovely. That was really beautiful. <laughs> Santa Monica is a pretty affluent community. Yeah, yeah, it's really beautiful. So, um, what are your thoughts about Austin coming up coming up in a few months? Well, <laughs> I'm going to go. Yeah, I know you'll be you'll be a speaker <laughs> quite, quite, there. Quite a few are going to go from our home group here because uh, those of us who went to Santa Monica were pretty excited. So I, I suspect we'll have half a dozen probably down in Austin. So That's I'm, good. I'm really looking forward to it. How many people I, did you uh, have from uh, your area in Santa Monica? I'm just curious. I mean, Pardon went, me. How many people from uh, your area went down to Santa Monica? There were just three from Olympia, and okay. uh, I don't remember if there were other Washingtonians or not. Okay. See, I think that's interesting because um, I think that's that's what's going to happen is you're going to have like last time you'd have one or two people from a city, and this time you're going to have you know six or seven. Yeah, people from yeah, a city. have half a dozen hit this time. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's a pretty fur piece from where we are. And uh, yeah. so I'm, I'm hoping that they'll have the next one, which I'm assuming there will be, mm-hmm. um, somewhere like Chicago or Toronto. Yep. 
hit that end of the Midwest and then okay. maybe on the East Coast and just keep it moving around so people can get to them readily. Yep. I think Toronto would be would be an appropriate place. I've never been yeah. there. I think that'd be I'd like to see it. I've never really uh-huh. I've never really been to Canada really. So, oh, okay. <laughs> I think I, I was actually on Lake Champlain, which goes into Canada. That was there. Yeah. I did that once. That was a long time ago. Okay. <laughs> so that'd be kind of kind of fun. I have so to get we, a passport. We, Helen, my wife's name is Helena. We get to travel quite a bit, and uh, we go back to England as often as we can because she's from England. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting. The I don't think that secular A is going to grow very fast there mm-hmm. because their general meetings are so non-religious. Yeah. Yeah. And and that that's kind of cool. But yeah. I, you know, every region is different and I think just exposing our ideas to different parts of the country is a good idea. Yep. I agree with that. So, do you do you have any idea what you're going to be talking about during your talk? Um now you're making me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> As if I weren't nervous about it already. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, well, I have some general ideas. I, I think I think I'm probably going to talk about what it was like, what what it's like now. Yeah. Uh, with a general way. emphasis on the kinds of things we've been talking about this morning, yeah. and uh, some of the ideas or opinions I have. I I don't think I have anything new to share. Yeah. Because. Every, every time I say something in any meeting, I always wonder to myself, I wonder where I heard that. Right, yeah. You know, so, yeah. but I'll have a different collection of things I've heard than the next guy, so yeah. it's worth standing up and telling him. Yeah. I, I have some opinions that are heretical. I'll probably talk about those a little bit. There you go. Well, you have a lot of years' experience. There's no doubt about that. Well, so far, yeah. Yeah, I haven't. <laughs> Haven't been drinking anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I have been extremely lucky in terms of getting to go to a lot of meetings. Mm-hmm. I mean, or in a lot of different places. You know, like I say, we we travel. I uh, I got to go to Paris a few years ago, and they've got three English language secular meetings there. Yeah, yeah. I was really. Interested I got to go to all of those. Yeah, um, I was talking to John C. Um, a few weeks ago about the meetings in Paris. And that was really interesting to me that they have pretty much just as many um, English speaking meetings in Paris as they do French speaking meetings. Yeah, they have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. A lot. I didn't go to any of the non-secular ones. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And then he, um, he's got, he started, um, he started, I think two secular meetings. And, uh. and then there was one, the first meeting he started was a living sober meeting. Because he just liked that book, and then he um, yeah, I do too. Yeah, then he started the um, two. um, No, he started one, and then the other one was like a meditation meeting, which he doesn't like very much. But that was really interesting to to talk to him about and learn about what AA was like in Paris. I mean, Uh you still have the same thing about you know alcoholics and drinking and dying and, and and the recovery and the struggles and everything. But yeah. you know, so that that we're, sense is we're still all the same. same. Yeah, we're all the same. Interesting thing about that the meditation meeting I, I went to that is it it meets in a uh, communist party workshop. Oh, really? <laughs> where they make signs. Isn't that <laughs> <Yeah>. funny? <laughs> yeah. You know that that would raise lots of eyebrows in the states. But <laughs> yeah, so you went to the uh, meditation meeting that he was talking about in Paris. Yes, I did. Oh, wow, that's funny. Yeah. And, and I enjoyed it. You know, they they would um, play uh, a guided meditation tape for, you know, 15 or 20 minutes, and mm-hmm. uh, then they'd turn the lights back up, and then we'd have a discussion. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a good meeting. Yep. But but they're all good if people aren't drinking. That's true. Uh, there were, I think there would normally be 8 to 12 people at that meeting. One of the others was... Um, even better attended. It was down in the the basement of a community center, sort of a place. And then the third one we only went to once because uh, it's so bloody hot. Yeah. <laughs> and then it wasn't a well ventilated building, but it was fine. It was half dozen people in a an office setting, and yeah, it's always good if people are staying sober and talking honestly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I hope to do a little bit of traveling after a while. My wife and I want to want to travel more. We you, right now we travel maybe every other year we'll go someplace, but it's always in the United States. Sometimes we yeah. sometime we want to go over to Europe. She's um my wife is uh crazy about England. She she went to oh. England. Yeah, she went there when she Oh, she like she has um a cousin her cousin is English. Um, and was raised uh-huh. there, and so she spent a summer there when she was young, and fell in love uh, with the, fell in love with the country. So she wants oh, to go I back. Oh, I am too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and since my wife's from there, you know, we're uh, we get we get back there just as often as we can. Mm-hmm. I I was active in the Red Cross for a while too. They, I don't know how they're organized now, but they had um, a national disaster setup where for the really big events like what's going on in Louisiana now, um, they could call in people from around the country because the local chapter would just get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I got to do that for a few years, and so I got to attend meetings wherever I was at the moment. So mm-hmm. that, that was a fortunate thing for me. Yeah, it's kind uh, of- I've been to I've been to a meeting in Omaha, but this was you know probably ten or twelve years ago. Yeah, and- it is kind of fun to go to those meetings in different places. I I never really, oh yeah I never did that too much until um, recently. Um, I mean, I went when I guess early on I went to some meetings in Florida and California, but um, uh-huh. I went to this meeting in New York. Um, I guess it was last year when my wife and I were there, and I really enjoyed that meeting. And I mean, I still talk about it all the time because New I, York City. Uh huh. It was just, uh-huh. and it was not a secular meeting. It was just a regular AA meeting, and uh-huh. but it was really a very nice meeting. And and it it the it was not. Um, you wouldn't think. I mean, it wasn't very religious. I did close with the Serenity Prayer, but the people there they weren't talking like um, a lot of the meetings around here. It was just very, very, very nice. But the mm-hmm. way that the way mm-hmm. that they did the meeting, I like the the format. In fact, we actually did that at our Saturday meeting today. What they did is rather than read something and everybody go around and talk about it, they had a woman come in who spoke for like ten or fifteen minutes, and then then everybody went around and kind of sh- shared yeah. based upon what that person talked about. That that's a, a very common pattern. Some places we get to spend some time down around San Diego, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a very common model down there, where they'll have a a person share for you know ten to twenty minutes, and then people talk. And normally they're they will respond to whatever the speaker said, but not necessarily yeah. if if they have something else more urgent, they're going to talk about that. But it, that's a good format too. I like it a lot because um, mm-hmm. our meetings, the way I the way I grew up in AA, it was always you read some some from AA literature and then everybody goes around and talk about it. So that's all I ever knew. But yeah. sometimes sometimes it gets a little bit stale when you just read the same books over and over. It's like you become kind of almost conditioned to like, okay, I know what I'm going to say about this particular topic. But like today we had this person who we just said, okay, you're going to talk for 10 or 15 minutes. And, uh-huh. and a very, very interesting conversation ensued from that that I think was different than from what our normal reading would have been. I really well, liked it. So that, you know, and I, they, when they do that around here, they usually call it a speaker meeting. Is mm-hmm. that the term that's used in the Midwest? Well, yeah, but the speaker meetings are usually like, um, no, you, there isn't any, any discussion after that. So if you go to a speaker meeting, they're usually... Oh, I see. It's just the speaker. Just the yeah. speakers. Just the speaker talks. But uh-huh. this one is a little bit different where the person talks and then everyone else gets to talk also after the after oh. the speaker. So Yeah, it's, it's not a bad model. Also, uh, what happens is you wind up people having asking somebody to come be the speaker from you know your area and i think it increases communication among the groups that way yeah there's a group there's actually an agnostic group who um i think they're actually in the midwest who actually reached out to other just regular aa groups to have speakers come to their group and i thought that was i thought that was a good idea because it is kind of a nice way for um us to kind of i don't know I don't think that. Huh. I think it's. I think it's good to kind of reach out to the traditional. That is AA a good people. idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think yeah. so. Because when we whatever works. Yeah, we had the people out here because um, Agnostic AA is fairly new, I guess, in Kansas City anyway. So there's a lot of people that might have been somewhat skeptical, not really understanding what it's all about. But when they sure. come to when they come to meet us, they see that oh yeah, they're they're basically the same the same. I mean, yeah. they, they they're doing the same things that we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's you know, a good idea. I'm, thank you for mentioning that. I'm going to bring that up in my group yeah or my you know my home group well like you say i uh, went to a meeting in uh, victoria british columbia yeah on vancouver island 
and we were up there for a couple of weeks, and I didn't quite get at it um, because they said, well, for to- they have two or three or four topics mm-hmm. to which people can react, mm-hmm. and it's a very small meeting. It's only about a year old, and uh, they said, this week we'll be doing the fourth step in the fourth tradition, and then next week we'll do the fifth step in the fifth tradition. They work through that way. They say, what else would people like to talk about? And then people bring up one or two other general topics, and then the people attending can address any of those. Well, the second time I went, I felt bold enough to ask them afterwards. I've I've never known a secular group that used the traditional steps. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, the reason we do that is that when we started out, uh, it started to turn into a God-bashing session. Ah. And that's not what we're here for. Yeah. And so we thought just to stabilize things, we would do this for a while. Well, that's interesting. So there's just a million models, and they're all good. We use the re- we use the, we use the reg- regular steps as far as um, okay. We have step meetings probably once a month, but we talk about the steps oh. more more often than that. But we use mm-hmm. we do use the regular steps as they're worded. However, we don't use AA literature, so we will um, we usually refer to like the alternative twelve steps book and um, other yeah. other books like that because the um, the AA World Services literature doesn't work for most of us very well, but no, no, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 you know the, the the only exception I can think of is the uh, Getting Sober book. Yep, that is a yeah. pretty good book, and that's a book I didn't read too much when I for most of my time in the program because I went to a a, a a group that was really a big devoted to the big book and and the twelve and twelve, and they I think yeah. that they kind of dismissed Living Sober as being less worthy in some way <laughs> <laughs> well i'm kind of fanatical about people at some point writing their own steps yes that um you know which i uh, you know because i i had this tussle all the time you know about it i know that the programs historically uses 12 steps but i don't like the 12 steps so what am i going to do about this it's all right write your own damn steps yep and uh, so I did, and of course, because there's a lot of really sound spirituality and psychology in the 12 steps. Yep. And so basically, mine reflects those parts of that, and then a couple other things I put in. But, uh, no, I agree. I, I think it's a good. It was a good personal exercise for me to do that, to to clarify my own thinking about what I think is important. It was for me too. And you know what's kind mm-hmm. of funny is I, I was um, in AA for 25 years, and it never, ever, ever occurred to me to write my own, but <laughs> write the stuff. Oh, I just thought of it a few years ago. <laughs> I know. And, and then all of a sudden, this agnostic AA stuff, I probably I probably saw like um, alternative steps on AA agnostic or something, and that's when I got the idea that, oh, yeah, I can actually write these steps out in my own language. Sure. Sure you can. <laughs> well, I... When I, well, something I learned in, in the early years is that I, for several years, I felt kind of guilty because I was in AA and I wasn't, quote, quote, working the steps. Yeah. I didn't feel I was doing that. And I thought, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not really a valid <laughs> member of this. Maybe I'm not really working a sober program because I just can't, can't do these steps. And then somebody, I think somebody must have pointed it out to me. Are you drinking? I said, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> what did you come here for? Well, not to learn not to drink. Okay. <laughs> what I think is so, funny, too, um, the first time I ever met people that said they don't have any use for the steps was in um, Agnostic AA. And I, at first it kind of shocked me. But now uh-huh. but now I realize, oh, no, no, it's not really such a big deal. Because, I mean, in any AA meeting, whether it's a, tra- a traditional meeting, Agnostic AA meeting, there's a certain percentage of people that that don't work the damn steps. The only no. difference is in agnostic AA, we're honest about it. <laughs> you know, uh, you're, you're more likely to say, "Yeah, I don't work them. I think they're BS." You know, but yeah, but but and, in a and they're agnostics to do and are perfectly comfortable with them, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so in that in that sense, we're really not that different. It's just that we we are a little bit more honest because it's okay in our groups to say, "Yeah, I don't have any." <laughs> Yeah, I, I think getting rid of all the shoulds we can is pretty important. You don't have to have a sponsor. You don't have to do 90 meetings in 90 days. You don't have to read the literature. You don't have to, you know, if it helps, do it. And if it doesn't help, then don't do it. Do something else, but just don't take that first drink. Right. Um, and eventually no, you'll you'll be better off. Yeah, there's no... Um, you have to tailor this for every person. Uh, every person's uh-huh. recovery is unique. 
There, there yep. isn't a one size fits all approach to everybody. Absolutely. Everybody has their own has to find their own way. Uh-huh. So anyway, even though even though we have all of these commonalities, that uh... it's our experience that's common. I think mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. our our experience with alcoholics is common, and I think that you know if we get to AA, most of us have some kind of experience in common as far as when we start asking for help, you know, but other than mm-hmm. that, you know, there's some differences, I guess, as you go through from there. Mm-hmm. But, well, I really enjoyed talking to you. I look forward to meeting oh, you. Oh, gosh, I have too. It's <laughs> always good to talk to other folks in the program, whatever the, whatever the reason. I love these podcasts. Um, you know, I get, I get emails from people occasionally um, who don't get to go to agnostic AA meetings, and they value these podcasts because it, it gives, uh. them, gives them an opportunity to hear people who talk about the program in, in their own language. Yeah. So it's good for them, but it's also good for me. It's, it's yeah. Every time I talk to somebody on one of these podcasts, um, I get to know that person a little bit better, and I get to um, – it's it's like an AA meeting for me. It helps me. So, yes, uh, absolutely. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, I I'm hard of hearing, so I don't relate all that well to audio stuff. Oh, but, okay. Uh, <laughs> so I've I've never really gotten into podcasts or books on tape or that sort of thing. You know, I can do it, but it's it's work. Yeah, you know. Well, and, but I'm you. certainly going to start looking up and listening to to some of the ones you've done with folks. Well, we're starting to put transcripts out now, written transcripts for each podcast, so you can actually uh-huh. re- read. Yeah, I, I know you have, and that's great. Yeah, yeah. we're going to start doing that more. Start doing that more. Now, often. now you're managing uh, Beyond Belief. Mm, yeah, Doris. Yeah, a, that that's been that's been a real real asset, I think. It's been amazing to to be a part of. Doris A does the bulk of the editorial work as far as the articles uh-huh. go. She's she uh-huh. lives in um, Urbana, Illinois, and she does amazing work. So like every time uh-huh. somebody, she, well, I she, just really appreciate you guys doing that because yeah. you know Roger did so much to get the whole idea started. Yeah, and um, to know that you know now we have both. You know, yeah. both of the. Well, it's very rewarding uh, work. It's very rewarding yeah. to do. Well. I, I look forward to seeing you in Austin. That will be a lot Right. Of fun. It's going to be fun to meet you in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Pat. Well, that's it for another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the program. We'll be back next week to speak with Mark C., who just wrote an article we published today. Mark is from Wichita Falls, Texas, and has a really interesting story. I think you'll enjoy that one. Until then, y'all take care and be well.